And now it's time for episode 26 of the Miller's Game Room podcast. Hello, I'm Miller, and this is, well, the episode I just said it was going to be. Um, today is going to be uh, jam-packed as usual. Um, going to have a little update, then some news, some longer-form news, and some discussion of what I've been playing. So, um, if you like the show, please uh, doing the whole algorithm stuff. So, liking, commenting, subscribing giving five-star reviews, and uh, also, first off, I want to give it a thank you, because um, last time I checked, which was um, not long ago, about a week, I all hit almost uh, 200 uh, views of the podcast across all platforms, so thank you very much to everyone who's uh, been viewing it, I really appreciate it, um, it's really cool that people actually um, like the podcast, and um, appreciate my um, perspectives on things, which I really appreciate, because... Um, almost started like a passion project so um having the fact that people have listened and like hit the big 200 mark is really cool and uh, i'm so grateful and uh second of all i'm trying a new schedule in terms of videos on my youtube channel also called miller's game room if you're not on there please sub um so normally what i would do is i'd aim to do one video on the tuesday every two weeks but the other week i tend to do videos on the weekend so what i'm doing is i'm going to kind of sort of go back to a schedule I did before where I did a podcast every two weeks and then have another video of a week I haven't got one up so what I'm going to do to do balance is I'm going to have it so I'm going to have podcast episode on the Tuesday and then the week I don't have the podcast I'll have another video and then alternate between those two however I'm going to try to get extras done when I can so so there'll be more than that hopefully but I don't want to put too much pressure on me because like juggling other stuff that's not on gaming or YouTube and just trying to juggle that is just like I don't want to overwhelm myself and force myself to commit too heavily to the schedule <laughs> that's intense so want to take it easy look after yourself like you know self-care is one of the most valuable lessons you can learn in life and that's one I've learned and it's one I'm adjusting to now in terms of content I've got up, I have a uh, RPGs I recommend that you might not have heard of part 2 on YouTube, which I'll link in the description. So it's basically the sequel to my uh, 5 great RPGs you might not have heard of. So that's what it's uh, called with a part 2. And uh, I talk more about that, that's on the channel, please check it out. It hasn't uh, got as many hits as the first one, but that's okay. But I like the video because I talk about 5 more gems. And... It's nice to just talk about RPGs, and um, especially because a lot of RPGs are under the radar now, like especially if you're not super into RPGs or don't follow it closely, you will overlook a lot of things, and that's understandable. So more attention to these stuff is always good. The other video I'm working on, which I've already recorded, I just need to start stringing it together, and that is a ranking video I did for Atlas games. So basically I was like, I'm going to rank every Atlas RPG I've played, as well as talk about games that I want to play and uh, maybe talk a bit more. So I've done that and that's all recorded. I just need to string it together. So uh, look forward to that. That will probably be in for next week's one. So just take it from there, but you know, get some extra stuff up. So uh, also if anybody has any ideas for some topics to do, I have some in mind. I've already got like some plans, but if anyone has any ideas, I'm open. I do want to do a um, strategy RPGs recommendations list at some point, which I've talked about before. But with the next few months being packed full of RPG releases, like, well, 
we have got the Deerfield Chronicle last month, and this month is Mario Plus Rabbids, and then Tactics Ogre Reborn, and it's just like, I feel like I don't want to do too much in terms of RPGs, because I feel my list will get out of date. And this is before Fire Emblem Engage in January, which is the game that Gust helped out on. So, uh, it's going to be a next year thing, but I want to try to work something out with regards to that, and play more SRPGs, so, uh, which is, uh, yeah... I'm going to stop because I've been doing the intro for almost five minutes now, which is a new record even for me. So let's start with the news. I'm going to do the shorter stuff first. So the first bit of short news is the Rune Factory 3 special port, which is basically the well, the re-release of Rune Factory 3, has been dated for uh, 2nd of March 2023 in Japan. It's going to be about 5,000 yen plus tax, and there'll be a limited edition as well. Well, that'll be two, technically. There's another one that's going to go to all the stores, and then there's another more expensive, like, 30,000 yen one that's going to Marvelous' shop. And um, it's just going to be an LE. It's going to have some drama CDs and some other things. And hopefully will not take too long to come out in the West. Especially, like, Rune Factory 4 and 5 took a while to release on consoles in the West on Switch. So I'm hoping it doesn't take over a year. It does actually land in later in 2023. So, fingers crossed. Next thing is the Cuphead Physical Edition that was finally, like, properly announced and dated. It's coming on the 6th of December this year, so, like, a couple of months for PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Um, this is going to be a worldwide release. Physical coming out worldwide. The standard edition's got a few bonuses. And, like, a Dunny's card or Funny's card. I think I put a typo in my notes here, actually. So yeah, I think it's a Funnies card, a membership card, and a reverse cover, so just a couple of uh, little bonuses. And the limited edition, which is exclusive to iMakeBit Store, is going to have some extra things, including this really cute-looking marionette puppet, which is actually quite cool. Uh, this game will also include the Last Course DLC, which is um main reason I held off on playing this game personally, so uh, I will try my best to pick this up. I don't know if I will, though, but, you know, again... But I, of all the physical indies, this is one I've been most interested in for quite some time. And it looks amazing, the game. So, fingers crossed. But it all comes out with no problems. And the LE is up to quality. So, yeah. Next bit of news for the short discussion. The PlayStation Plus game catalogue and classics catalogue for October has been announced. Um, this is actually quite good this month, actually. Because there were a bunch of things. So the main one was like Assassin's Creed games. So a whole bunch of Assassin's Creed games are out on there now. So the remaster of Assassin's Creed 3, the Assassin's Creed Chronicles games, you know, those like China, India, and I think Russia games that are now like one pack. Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Syndicate, which are more like other games. You know, I don't really follow Assassin's Creed, but the fact that all these have been added to the catalogue at once is good. The other one, though in terms of series, is Dragon Quest. So basically what Square Enix have done is they've gone like, hmm, let's get every single Dragon Quest game for the PS4 that we localised and put it on the service. So that means XIS, because yeah, that's basically the definitive version, not the base version. So technically it wasn't all of them, but still, XIS is the Dragon Quest XI version you want to play. So uh, let's ignore that little technicality, shall we? Uh, Builders and Builders 2, Heroes and Heroes 2, and that's it. Like, there are some others in Japan, like the Itadaki Street crossover, Final Fantasy, and also 
X online and offline, which obviously those two games, like, they weren't localised, so you can't get Izdeki Street or X online or offline. But you, there is a fan translation for the Vita version of the Izdeki Street game, by the way, so, you know, never say never for that. So, technically, that does exist in English, which is still really cool but obviously not official, so it's not going to be on this service. And it's really good that they're all there, especially now that, like, they're all fairly cheap at this point. And if you've got PlayStation Plus catalog, you may as well jump in on these. I'd recommend XIS. I'd also recommend Builders. I've not played the others ones yet. I do plan to. Even the Heroes games, because, um, you know, well, with Dragon Quest Heroes, I've never cared for the Muso. So I've never really played them, but I do want to pick them up cheap physically eventually because, you know, there's Dragon Quest and I uh, am a fan of Dragon Quest. I have lots of uh, Dragon Quest exclusive stuff for Japan, which is cool. And other noteworthy ones is uh, GTA Vice City from the Definitive Edition of GTA, which, yeah, but still noteworthy. And the Yakuza Remastered Collection, which interestingly falls under retro, even though the Remastered Collection is native to PS4. And PS3 too. And finally, a bit of short news. Um, Trinity Trigger Day 1 Edition has been announced for North America. Uh, this is going to be discussed here because this is how a limited edition should be done. So this Day 1 Edition is going to have the game physically. Probably have a manual as well because Exceed do still do manuals with their games. They even did one for their No More Heroes 3 release, which I think was really cool. Um, they're um, going to have the 100-plus page art book for the game and a two-disc soundtrack. So, most likely the complete soundtrack for $60, which is $10 more than the base game, which is fantastic, actually. like That's how it should be done. Uh, digitally, the game will be for $50. So, it's basically limited edition only. However, if you're going to do that, the game's going to be, like, make it great. This is exactly what should, an Ellie should be. Get a, a complete soundtrack, get a massive art book. Fantastic, and it will most likely come to Europe as well. Probably will be like store exclusive in at least one, in at least like Marvelous's store and like other like game stores and stuff per country and a standard edition. But honestly, that's fine. And like, Trinity Trigger is one of my most anticipated games for next year, so I'm hoping this turns out right. But this LE so far is a, a really good start, and um, a bit more now. Uh, the Axis Games will announce the All Axis Fall 2022 panel, uh, like a live stream, will be on the 20th October at 10 a.m. PT, 1 a.m. PM, no, 1 p.m. Eastern, most like about 5 or 6 p.m. GMT, 7 CEST, like change it to a regional equivalent, and it will be exclusive to Twitch when that happens. Um, they're planning um, or promising updates on current titles and announcements of new games due out in 2023. Um, I've seen a lot of people in the Otome community be like, what well, well, be like, uh, oh, please, more Otome news. We want to see more Otome releases. And um, that kind of excitement, which um, that's kind of cool. Like, I've not put this under the vision novel section because, like, Axies don't just do vision novels. They do, like, they've got other things like JRPGs, they've got Monmu coming from Experience Inc. They've got the fighting game Blazing Strike as well. Um, I'm hoping to see more, like, localizations that aren't O-Terming, because, like, Axes, like, you can't just survive on releasing visual novels. Like, 
especially if you're doing consoles, like it's one thing to do it only on PC, but if you're doing it on PC, you will also do a lot of Erogi because perverts like buying tons of these Erogi games, even when they feature blatantly problematic content. But with the but with the consoles, it's a lot different. You need other genres, so yeah, maybe maybe another indie game or even some physical releases. Another JRPG would be cool. Um, I'm not sure what else they could pick up, but if they go look, I guess they might find something that was released digitally in the Japanese eShop, like um, the uh, Horgiyu game they released. I think stuff like that would be good. However, in terms of vision novels, I would like to see some non-Otome VNs. I mean, like, someone should finally pick up more Chemco stuff. Like, why has no why has the Chemco stuff not been localised? Like, Raging Loop was picked up, like, years ago, but then nothing since. And it's like, please release more games and other VNs, because there's loads. And something like that, or Noromantic, or just something in general that's not, like, an Otome game. Or even just a physical release of something digital. But in terms of Otomi news, because they will have some Otomi news, it's like a huge part of their shows nowadays. I'm hoping for dates for Jack Jian, Winter's Wish, and Nor 9. They're both the base game and the fan disc. As well as limited edition reveals. Nor 9 will likely get one because it's a re-release of a classic game. But I hope Jack Jian gets one as well. And um, probably also some CDs for the other games as well because, well, that's what happens nowadays. And uh, hopefully the Norm 9 will also have a complete soundtrack because you can't get the OST in Japan anymore. Or at least not easily. And I'd like that CD physically because Norm 9 is amazing. And uh, Fun Fact was actually composed by an Australian guy as well. There was one song with Nobu Emetsu, but the majority of the music was composed by an Australian guy, which I think is really cool, actually. Even though, like, knowing Axes, they'll probably will announce more Otome. Because they've got, like, seven titles already. And it's like, I wouldn't put it past them to announce something. But I think if they're going to announce something, they should announce an older title that was passed up. Or from another developer. Or PC ports as well. And finally, for the last of the shorter news. Uh, Atlas had their final Persona 25th anniversary announcement. Woohoo! Yeah, that was awful, I'm sorry, I'm just trying not to be too loud and uh, have to make more editing problems later when I go and edit this audio. Anyway, uh, they announced uh, Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden, the ports, the ones we already knew about, for the Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC are dated for the 19th of January 2023. So in other words, just before Fire Emblem Engage, or the day after, or basically around the same time, and... Uh, Especially if you care for physical games, you will be getting the Fire Emblem game, if you're getting one of them. And that was the last announcement, which was basically release dates for ports we already knew about. And ports that should have come out five years ago, basically. And got some new art. The art was cool. It's basically like a, a classroom that's Persona 3 inspired, and you have the protagonists, so like with P3, P3P, and uh, P4, and P5, which is cool. I mean, the art was better than the announcement. It's all at the end of their like concert, which I haven't watched, but hopefully it went well. I believe it did. And um, it's good. The anniversary announcements are finally over. This announcement was a bit underwhelming. I know a lot of people were expecting Persona 6. And to be honest, they did need a massive announcement. But it's possible that they might have actually planned to show Persona 6. Or another major game or something like that. That just they weren't ready to. Which is equally as possible because they have talked about making Persona 6 and wanting to show it and um, 
it is a shame but you know it just it's still kind of bad optics but hopefully that they'll actually deliver in, in course and these ports will be good they did confirm that sega were actually helping to work on the ports especially with p5r which is good because atlas of a Atlas tried, Atlas have largely been outsourcing their multiplat ports, which is a good thing, and it helps with quality. Like, they did SMT 3's remaster themselves, and it wasn't the best remaster. Like, it's serviceable and is the way to play because of its difficulty and its accessibility on consoles and PC, but it wasn't the best thing. Like, Atlas are primarily a company that developed for one platform and one platform only. And that's not a bad thing if you develop primarily on one platform, but when it comes to porting, it is one of their weaknesses from a business perspective. So it actually makes a lot of sense that they'll port them out, and I hope they keep doing that. Uh, this was from Elite, like Famitsu Extract, by the way, not at the concert, but it's related. But yeah, um, I've said before, I can't really get too excited because there's no physical, because um, again, it should be physical, there's really no excuse. But what I can see them doing, actually, is nearer for time announcing a Store Atlas physical release. This is what I think they'll end up doing. And they've already announced a massively overpriced P5R limited edition for Shop Atlas. It's basically Persona 5 Royal for other platforms and just a bunch of stuff. I forgot what it is. But it was like 100 USD or probably even more than that, actually. And it's like, yeah, it's not very... Uh, it's definitely better value than the Soul Hackers 2 set. And also the game's the game's better, apparently. But yeah, it's um overpriced and this should be everywhere. But at least the steel book is gonna be everywhere, which is good. And there's already um they've some copies have uh, leaked early and uh, people are already uh, checking it out. We've put gameplay on YouTube, it looks it does uh it looks good and I can't wait to get it eventually. I will be playing Persona 5 Royal on the Switch when that will be probably next year or so, but I'm not sure yet. I've also been thinking about doing a Persona 4 Golden Light retrospective because uh, I have a physical of that for my PS Vita and uh, I'm debating whether to uh, do one. So if anyone wants a retrospective for the P4G on the Vita, let me know. Or if they really want me to wait for the re-release, let me know and I'll pick it up on Switch. And now for longer form news, which is basically all related to Nintendo this time. Uh, good and bad and meh, which, um, so, uh, I mean, good for, good for fans and ordinary people, but not so much for Nintendo, mostly. So let's start with the, uh, the, relate the union stuff, which was, uh, there was a thing about Nintendo and the union busting and the contractor, Mackenzie Clifton, like, basically holding Nintendo to account, and, um, they received a 26k settlement, or to receive, but they're gonna get it. They've basically they've Nintendo and Aston Carter. They agreed to settle, and well as his contractor getting the money, uh, Nintendo are now legally obliged. Oh my god, Nintendo are now legally obligated to put a notice up in their offices and an email to all contractors and QA testers that they're allowed to unionize. What rights available under U.S. law? and that they can't block them and it's huge because now it means that workers at NOA can now unionize they can now like well basically team up and start holding Nintendo to account which hopefully I should follow up on and I think it'll be more likely because they'll have that prompt basically they'll have basically Nintendo prompt them because they were forced to and that's really good 
because uh, you got to support workers and workers have got to keep pushing to hold their bosses to account. And well done to Mackenzie for helping to make this happen. Uh, they hopefully enjoy the payout because, well, they deserve it. Arguably, they should have got even more, but like the fact that this win happened means that other people are going to benefit as well, which is great. And um, all the best to Mackenzie. And um, really good that all this has happened. So, you know. The one thing that Mackenzie didn't get because she didn't have or I didn't have to get it was the letter from Doug Bowser, which um, I think the court said they didn't have to do it. But you know, I think the fact that they have to put this notice up, as well as like you can get a redacted copy of it online because they've shown what Nintendo were emailing around as well, which is cool. But either way, it's still a humiliation having to send that around. So yeah. And now that the question, do I do the Nintendo business practice first or not? Because I've got two more. In fact, I'm going to talk about the I'm going to talk about the Bayonetta news first because after this will be the Mario movie because the Bayonetta news is a bit more important and relevant because this is related to Nintendo. So basically, it was revealed literally today because the original voice actor for Bayonetta. It was earlier revealed that. They are, he was replaced by Jennifer Hale for Bayonetta 3, which is coming out on Switch later this month. Yeah, October is pretty packed for games. And basically, they said, well, Platinum said at the time that it was because of scheduling conflicts and she couldn't do it and stuff like that, which, okay, sounds believable enough. But then Helena Taylor, the actor that does the voice actor or the voiceover, uh, basically took to Twitter, posted a four-part video basically basically saying what actually happened basically like she said that she isn't in the third game because of an insulting offer and um she was only offered a uh, 4000 usd as a final offer which is piss poor and not acceptable and is poverty money and exploitation and one of the things she said in the video because she was quite honest and candid about things she mentioned about her impact on her mental health Content warning for that, by the way, if you decide to watch it, because it does get a, uh, it could get a little triggering. But the raw, open honesty is something that is really important to talk about. She said, um, "As an actor, I trained for a total of seven and a half years, three years at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts with voice coach Barbara Berkeley, and four and a half years with the legendary Larry Moss in Los Angeles. So quite a lot, seven years of her life." And then Tio said them, what did they think this was worth? What did they offer to pay me? The final offer to do the whole game as a buyout flat rate was $4,000, which, uh, again, is piss poor. Especially in the US, which is a hyper-capitalist hellscape. And if you're a voice actor, you're often freelance. And uh, she'd have to pay things like taxes, health insurance, and stuff like that. And that's not even their final offer. Like, she didn't say what the original offer was, but in response... She said in the video that she uh, ended up getting a Japanese friend to help her write a letter to Hideki Kimi himself to try to get this overturned. And Kimiya responded with platitudes about valuing her contribution and stuff. There wasn't an exact quote in the, the video, but that's basically what it was. And um, yeah, it was just unacceptable. Also mentioned a few things like she mentioned something going on in the UK right now, which I thought was really good as well to mention in that nurses here are going to food banks because they can't afford to pay their bills because of the awful pay. And I think that's a great comparison to make because people, especially in the UK, just don't like, they 
don't understand reality or understand how how little pay actually can be so having that comparison against something seen as vital like nurses should be paid properly as well as voice actors and having nurses form part of that argument having to go to food banks i think helped a lot with what she was saying and also just mentioning things like also said that the bayonetta franchise made an approximated 450 million dollars not including merchandise which is a lot of money and also she mentioned things like she's not worried about breaking nda because she's had issues like homelessness and things like that like not having money to take which um pretty damning and yeah as someone who's had a lived experience of homelessness myself i fully get that like if you're in that position you've got nothing left to lose it's a case of like if you're in that position like there's literally cases in courts where not 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 sure about the us but in the uk it's like they may agree to not bother fining because people can't afford to pay it so you know could even declare yourself bankrupt and then they're not getting anything but yeah, this was a fantastic thing to do. I've seen people be quite supportive, especially those who are more like in know about these things. And she also called for people to boycott it and uh, put your money to charity, which um, is like the right thing to do, really. Like, I think also like you could always like, if you want to play the game, buy it used. Uh, I know some people are talking about emulating it, but like, don't emulate it. Not as soon as it's come out, just, you know... Get it secondhand or wait a long time. Eventually, the price will drop. Like Bayonetta one and two on the Wii U and the PS3 original of the first game and the remasters of that version of the first game are still relatively cheap, so you can still get it secondhand. But when you think of when you think of Bayonetta, you don't think of Jennifer Hale. You think of well Helena, because like it's that voice. It's an iconic voice, and then it's just it's just disappointing, really. Oh, and the worst part, which was kind of both funny and pathetic, was uh, how Hideki Kamiya responded. He's basically um, responded on Twitter, basically, obviously what it's about. Didn't directly, like, say it's about this, but it's pretty fucking obvious. He said, sad and deplorable about the attitude of untruth. That's what all I can tell now. By the way, beware of my rules. Yeah, basically what he's saying is uh, it's sad what's happening and uh, she's lying. Basically, that's what he's saying. And uh, beware of my rules. So first, the fact that if you go onto his Twitter, you will find um, his featured like image for his profile. Lots of tweets about him getting angry at uh, uh, non-Japanese people for interacting with him. As well as his pinned tweet, which is basically things like, Here are my rules. No shit posts. No tagging me in your conversations. And other things like that, which is like... Yeah, I understand need to set boundaries. And I do, like, try not to, like, pick on people boundaries and that kind of thing. Because boundaries are important. But Kamiya is known to be an absolute fucking arsehole on the internet. And this is why, like... He was getting angry, uh, mass blocking people for replying back to him. Usually with, like, actually calling him out. Some of them are shitposts, some of them are mocking his, like, obnoxious behaviour. He ended up limiting replies to his tweets, so no one could reply. Acting like a fucking child, basically. And was like... And the way he's like, mate, you say to beware of my rules. Even though, one, you instigated this situation in the first place. 
because you obviously had the power to raise the offer, but instead, 4,000 USD, fuck off. And two, you chose to tweet about it. You chose to type that out and then press the button and put it online. You basically instigated that. It's okay not to tweet. It's okay not to say anything. Obviously, it makes you look bad. But what Hideki has done is he's dug his own fucking grave. Even deeper than it already fucking was. And then it was proceeded to get to the point where he was literally at one point tweeted several tweets in Japanese, basically getting angry at people for replying and just like story of like i'm getting sick of this how can i mute it and then just, i'm turning off replies and then it's like his last tweet was basically a small line of japanese and it ended in i warned you and it's like i just i'm actually like he's just a he's just a fucking twat like fucking hell like like, if you're really going to get pissed off at people calling you out, there are two things you can do. One, lock your account. And two, deactivate your account. And three, get off the internet. And four, go outside. Yeah, I'm just, I have no patience for this shit. Like, fucking hell, Camille. You make sound like a fucking twat. Twats, twats everywhere, especially on fucking Tideki Kamiya land and just anger and salt and just fucking wanker. Anyway, do you know who else is a massive asshole? Chris Pratt. And this is going to be the part where I talk about the Mario movie because uh, a lot of people are basically like, oh, Chris Pratt as Mario, that's the main discourse for that. And it's like, in his voice, and it's like, I mean... Well, Chris Pratt is as anti-LGBT politics and a supporter of an anti-LGBTQ plus church, which, um, yeah, that should be more concerning than the voice. So I'm not really going to dig into that. Like, I know the French voiceover was great. Aside from that and the fact that Martin actually played Mario, I'm not going to talk about that. So uh, that's my piece. Fuck Chris Pratt. Uh, that said, I am excited for the Mario Brothers movie. Um, you've all seen the trailer, it was big news, live streamed as a direct, as well as a live screening for an event at New York Comic Con. Um, I loved it so much, um, partly because that there was barely any discussion of Chris Pratt. Um, I'm, uh, I won't be able to resist going to see it next spring when it comes out. I know I won't, so I'm just going to sit up front, I'm going to see it. Uh, Bowser's voice, the animation for the Merry members, as well as the Toad, you'll die! Mushroom skit, they're all amazing. Um, it looks to be an isekai, which basically means you plunge down into another world, and it kind of appears to be a retelling of Mario's first adventures in the Mushroom Kingdom and, like, discovering it, which I think is really cool. So, yeah, um, Chris Pratt, fuck him, but the movie's great. Uh, if there's a version of the film where I can watch in English, but maybe with the amazing French dub or the Japanese audio, then I'll check it out. But, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, look, Please look forward to a uh, future coverage of my thoughts on the Mario Brothers movie on millersgameroom.com. Even though I haven't made a millersgameroom.com website, but I really fucking should. Anyway, now onto uh, this brief visual novel section. Um, first bit of news. Um, Liasoft 
have uh, got another announcement. They're a company that have made a few, and they are getting their latest Vision of All release. Uh, Alpha-Nighthawk uh, is coming west to Steam on 24th October via Shara which is DMM Games' overseas publishing label. Literally just got announced yesterday. It's coming out um, in English and Chinese, and it looked great by the screenshots. It looks amazing, and I actually want to check this out. It looks fantastic and cute as well, and uh, action as well. I uh, can't wait to check it out, and I don't think it'll be too expensive either. Hopefully it's not too expensive, but if it is, I'll wait for it to sell. But if it's cheap enough, because apparently it's like 10 plus hours of voice acting, and not voice acting, 10 plus hours of gameplay, you know, I'll check it out. It looks great, the art's nice, and it features furries, even though I'm not a furry, but you know, it's still cute. The other bit of news, relates to the Chaos Head Noah ban thing. Uh, it got overturned. It launched for Steam on October 7th, as previously like announced. And basically what happened there is because Valve got so much heat from the backlash, spreading outside of the usual visionable circles, and it led them to cave. Uh, they say they're changing procedures to stop erroneous bans from happening in the future. And um, basically, then, then, weird, then later what happened is then... Just uh, USA, who um, had a couple of games banned. One of them was Full Metal Demon Muramasa, which is basically one of the most critically acclaimed visual novels ever made, which is banned from Steam, even after making a very particular custom-friendly build, so more pro for streams, was still blocked. And they said that Valve won't reconsider previous bans after they contacted them, and it's like, yeah, I can kind of see why. And it's like, I'm hoping they do start reversing some of the bands because there were a handful of the bands that were done that were erroneous. Muramazu is one of them. Um, Meteor World Actor from uh, Shorovune and Heliodor is another one from what I've heard because it's sequels on Steam, but the first game isn't. Like, that makes no fucking sense. And then there's a few others as well, but for most part, most of them are pretty, well... Most of them were justified, but there were some erroneous ones, but I can kind of see why they won't want to reverse the erroneous ones, because one, it's basically them admitting they fucked up, and two, because it's just a whole toxicity with parts of the end fan base, who moan about anti-censorship and all that toxic base, and then just, it's gross. And I know there's still a campaign for, like, hashtag save Muramaza, which, um... I'm just going to say, if you're going to get any other games unbanned like Muramasa, you'll need to keep making noise about it. I don't know if I'll join it because, one, I've not played the game, and I'm not paying fucking 49 euros to buy it on GOG, and also fuck CDPR as well. Um, but, you know, keep an eye on it. Maybe something will happen. If you're going to make noise about it, make the noise and make it effectively because it should be unbanned, but generally, good luck. Now, finally, on to what I've been playing. Um, first one is the RPG, Project Cross Zone 2, which I have been continuing my playthrough of. I'm in um, the early chapter 30, 31, that part of the game. Um, basically, there's 41, like, stages in the game, and I'm, like, three quarters away through now, which is really cool. Um, part of that, I uh, got through the, the stages set in the world of Xenoblade, because there's two in the game. Um, easily like two of the best stages in the game. I love them so much. And I love seeing like, the classic locales of where they were set up. I don't know if I want to talk about the exact locales because I think that might potentially count as a spoiler. 
But I mean, I'll say, I'll say what one of them is. One of them is Sword Valley, which, as you know, if you've played the game, that's like the massive sword in between the Bionis and Mekonis, with the sword like piercing the Bionis, and on there's where a lot of the battles lie. And it's nice to have like the stage there, which was so cool. And they're just so nice in these locales. And then even for like Sacro Wars, so long my love. The stage from that, like the, the crossroads outside of a little lip theatre also was a previous stage in the game. And I just loved it so much. It's so nice seeing these like amazing like design and stuff. It's so cool. And uh, I'm really glad that they're here. And it's just kind of like reinforcing to me that I really want to see like another crossover game. And I'm hoping, 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 hoping that like Project Cross Zone 3 or whatever will follow uh, comes out in the next few years. I suspect because Monolith are doing like we're doing Xenoblade 3 as well as helping out with like Splatoon 3 and Breath of the Wild 2, I suspect they're quite busy, but they have also been expanding. So I'm hoping there's still like room in the company to work on another game in this series and uh, bring it to Switch as well. I have lots of thoughts of what I'd like to see in another Project Cross Zone game, but you know, I'll save that for another time. But yeah, much better than the first game. The stages are a bit... Sh like, you're still close to an out of play, but not the ridiculous, like, hour and a half that some of the stages in the first, like, Project Cross Zone were because of the tweaks of the gameplay. It's much more manageable and much less repetitive, and I think it's a vastly superior game to the first Project Cross Zone. Although, having played the first Project Cross Zone and seeing the occasional references, like, oh, I've seen you before, helps a lot with the immersion, which I did like as well. Um, second thing for what I've been playing is uh, Nightshade. So this is an Otome game from Red Entertainment and D3 Publisher. It's one of the older, like, non-Otomase localizations on PC and consoles. It came to Switch after PC, because it came to PC first, and PC is what I played. Uh, it went on sale, and I picked it up. Uh, this is a historical VM. I've never played a historical VM before, I just wasn't really sure if it in would interest me too much, because obviously, like, to really get the most out of historical VMs, you do need to have an interest in Japanese culture and Japanese history, because obviously, like, if it's historical, it's set in this world, and you're just not going to have the modern stuff, you're just not going to have it, you need to have that context a bit, and even if a VMs are, like, set in fiction... You do kind of need to have that as well. So that's important to bear in mind. So there's that. And for me, like, that's so cool. Um, you, you follow a group of shinobi that are sent on a mission to investigate a thief in the capital city of a Kyo. Obviously, that's a reference to. And then basically you do that mission. And as you do all that, stuff happens. Uh, keeping it vague for plot reasons. Um, basically it's a action oriented VN, lots of action like sword fighting and nujitsu and stuff like that where you fight like enemies it's so cool it's got a really nice well written overarching story with uh, lots of uh, intrigue and some tragedy as well especially in some routes a lot more than others oh, it's still like for the tragedy actions everywhere all the fights it's so cool and just the whole like loyalty like loyalty of being a shinobi and then all these other things. It's so cool. And I loved it. Uh, helped a lot. But the illustrator was Tater. Who illustrated Norn 9. 
which I've talked about before, Love Nor Nine. Uh, the guys are great, a lot of variety and a lot of character development, nothing problematic, which really helped a lot actually. Um, it's also an easy game to get the achievements for if you follow the guide, which I'm uh, I'm uh, glad that I follow the guide, because when you follow the guide it makes things a lot easier and the Steam page is full of them. And yeah, it's nice to have a PC VN that's not a short VN finally, like, done that I really, really loved. Like, you know, I haven't got many VNs on Steam beaten, partly because, well, they're Steam VNs, but, you know. I'm going to be playing more PC Steam VNs over the next few months, primarily to catch up on things I've been missing because a lot of titles I've wanted to play just haven't come to consoles, so I'll be playing those. And um, the ones I've finished and really liked, I'll be talking about them in these, what I've been playing segments. Not, not all the games I'll play or I'll talk about, mainly because... Well, some of them just aren't particularly good. Like, if I don't like it that much or I struggle to click with it, I'm just not going to talk about it much. So there'd be no point in me making a segment on it. Like, I've been playing Actually My Dear Moments as well. I started that and it's like... I'm not really sure I could make an interesting discussion on what I've been playing out of it because, like, it's, like, very... very it's very much a... It's, I'm not sure it's my cup of tea, basically, because of it's, like, set up as, like, a story... Where it's more about the characters and it's just um, lovely art, lovely music, but I'm just not super into it, so I can't really talk too much about that. And like, and also if I want to finish a VM before I talk about it, unless it's anything like Amnesia Memories with that god awful fucking cage route, I just tend to want to wait till I've finished a VM before I talk about it. So that's basically why that I don't want to talk about things I've not finished. Unless I choose to drop it and never play it again, which I haven't chosen to do for Atri, but I do want to try again. So yeah. And now that's going to be it for today's episode of the Miller's Gaming Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. If you, again, I like see, like, comment, subscribe, five-star reviews, etc. and so on and so forth. Thank you so much and bye-bye. <laughs>